text will come from Galatians chapter 3, if you'd like to turn there. Brother Kendall Reno is going to come and he's going to read that text for us. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Not as not it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them all shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessedness of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Thank you very much, brother. This morning, as we look at this text, uh, you recognize already, those of you that were with us um, during the middle portion of last year and fall, that we're going back to the book of Galatians, where we spent a fair amount of time, a couple of months. We got about halfway through, and so we're picking back up and are going to be there for a little while this year before we get to Easter. But let me ask y'all this question. This is, you know, rhetorical. I don't want you to answer out loud. Uh, but how many of you remember what you had for breakfast on Tuesday this past week? You know, you probably have to think really hard to try and remember what you had on, for breakfast on Tuesday. So I'm imagining in the same sense, not many of you probably remember the last thing we talked about in Galatians in October, do you? I thought a little recap might be helpful for us. I don't know what you had for breakfast Tuesday, but I do know what was going on in the book of Galatians. So let me just refresh our memory. This is a letter that Paul has written to some people living in an area called Galatia. They were friends of his. This is a church he helped establish. These are brothers and sisters that he knew personally, many that he had personally discipled and taught the gospel and had seen them come to faith and grow in spiritual maturity towards Christ Jesus. When Paul was with them, of course, he taught them the true gospel, right? That we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and by that alone. Not by our works, not by anything else. But at some point after Paul had left them... Some strong Jewish teachers had come in and had tried to add to that teaching. They said, what Paul taught you was good, but it was not enough. That you have to have faith in Jesus Christ, yes, but you have to have faith in Jesus Christ and good works in order to be saved. That you have to believe in Jesus and follow the teachings of the Old Testament law in order to be acceptable to God. Word somehow got to Paul that this teaching had circulated around the Galatian church. And if you've read much of Galatians, you can tell Paul is furious about this unbiblical teaching. He is vehemently refuting these lies, and that's what he's been doing through the book of Galatians. He's been trying to, to show them a strong scriptural basis a strong, true doctrine that works don't save anyone. That only faith in Jesus Christ 
is sufficient for our salvation. So this morning we're seeing him pick that argument up or continue that argument. For our sense, it seems he's picking it back up. And here's how he's going to do it today. If you noticed, if you were reading along with Brother Kendall a few minutes ago, you probably noticed that there were a lot of quotation marks in today's text. That's because Paul, in five verses, quotes four Old Testament books in order to bolster his argument. Don't worry. It's not as daunting as it seems that it might be. I think that you will understand this and be able to walk away from here with a firm grasp of what Galatians 3, 10 through 14 is saying. But before we consider it together, if y'all would join me and let's pray and let's ask God's favor as we endeavor to understand his word, and then we'll look at this together. Father God, we are thankful that you are holy because we know that we are not. Lord, we're thankful that you are righteous and perfect because we know that on our own we are not. God, thank you for the reminder that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He is God, that He is eternal, that He is perfect, and that faith in Him is sufficient to save us. Lord, I pray today that as we hear those words, that those of us that already knew them, that we're reminded of the blessing that they are. And Father, anyone in this room that may not completely understand these truths, that their hearts would be open and their minds Lord, would be so excited today to hear this wonderful truth and maybe to understand it for the first time. Lord, I pray that you would keep our minds and our eyes and our ears free from distractions. Lord, nothing inside or outside of this room would garner our attention for these few moments, but that in this time that we have together, that we'd be completely focused on your holy word, that you would use it to change our hearts and minds to love you and follow you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's get into the text here. Verse 10, we'll start there. We'll look at the, the quote that he has here. We'll talk about it and what he's trying to prove with it or, or to how he's bolstering his argument through it. Galatians 3.10 said, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. So here Paul is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 27. In Deuteronomy 27, there's this pronouncement of a curse for everybody that does not follow the Old Testament law completely. Now, whenever I say curse, I know that that probably sounds strange to many of us. We think of witchcraft or something of that nature. But when we say curse here, it's in the sense of punishment. Right? So you could say that everybody that does not fulfill the law completely is under punishment is under condemnation you can use these as synonyms for curse i'm just using curse because it's the actual word that paul's using here and so he's saying that there is curse or punishment that we have really merited or earned by sinning because we have sinned we deserve punishment that's what paul's getting at here that's the quote from deuteronomy that's what it's used to point out because here's the bottom line brothers and sisters when you do wrong there is punishment now in one sense we all recognize this right whenever our children do wrong there is discipline or punishment 
for not doing what was expected of them. I don't know what that looks like at your house. We do different things. In your job, right, there are benchmarks. There are things that you're expected to do. And if you don't do those things, there's discipline, punishment, correction that comes for not doing the things that you're supposed to do. And spiritually speaking, it is the same. When we sin or disobey God, there is punishment. One of the most clear examples that we see in Scripture is probably Adam and Eve. Many of you know that story, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden and they're told there's only one tree that you can't eat from. And of course, they decide to eat from the one tree that they're not allowed to eat from. And so what happens? They are under the curse of sin. They are punished in the sense that they were separated from God, right? They're kicked out of the garden, you can't be here. They have a broken relationship with one another. Now the desire of Eve is for her husband, and there's this animosity between them. And then, of course, we see all of the impacts that come after that. Well, Paul here is helping us to recognize that's not an isolated occurrence. Every one of us that have sinned are living under the condemnation of sin. We all also have the promise of punishment for the things that we have done wrong. Now, some of you may be hearing this for the first time. And you say, what does this mean for me if I'm hearing it for the first time? Well, I've got an example that came to my mind this morning. And um, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been to a restaurant before and seen uh, something that looks like this or really confusing signs where you had to try and figure out which toilet, which bathroom is for the men, and which one is for the women. Have y'all ever had that experience before? Right, sometimes they like to put animals up there, and you're trying to figure out which animal represents a man, which one represents a woman. Here, uh, this was somebody, I don't know, a geneticist, a biologist of some sort. If you don't know, these are representing chromosomes. Men have an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. Women don't. So if you, if you didn't know biology, you'd probably just be standing there saying, which bathroom am I supposed to go into? Now, why did I bring that up? Because here's what happens or what could happen. You go to one of these, maybe you go to a French restaurant, and it's written in French. He said, I don't know how to say man and woman in French. And I don't know which bathroom, and so you go in the bathroom, and by the time that you're in there and you realize this was the wrong one, it's already too late, right? I mean, you can try and turn around and walk out, but it's the, the deed's been done. You've been seen in the wrong bathroom, and things aren't good. Well, here's, the, here's why I bring this up this morning, brothers and sisters. No matter if this is the first time you've ever heard this or not. Maybe you just walked in here and you just now heard if you've ever sinned, then there's punishment and there's curse and there's condemnation. And here's what I'm saying. If you just walked in and noticed that, it's already too late. You have already sinned and you are already under punishment. There's no, well, let me go back because nobody told me beforehand Right? There's no, is there, is there some way that I can get a pass or a buy? Because I didn't understand this before I walked in. No, the truth is the truth. And here, Paul tells us in this text, all who rely on works of law, everybody who depends on you being perfect are under a curse. Why? Because none of us are perfect. 
None of us are righteous. None of us have ever lived a perfect life. And so we are all guilty and we're all deserving punishment. Point one this morning is this. If you rely on the law, you better be perfect. If you rely on the law, right, if your plan for getting to heaven, if your plan for having eternal life, if your plan for being acceptable to God is to do what the law says, which is what these Galatians were being told, right, you better have faith in Jesus and you better follow the law. But if your basis for getting to heaven involves the law, then here's what Paul's saying to you. You better be perfect. Because if you sin one single time, then you're guilty, you're condemned, you're under the curse. You have punishment that's coming your way. Unfortunately, we've all sinned. We recognize that truth. And so here's kind of the question, is that the end of the story? We've sinned, we've done wrong, we have no hope, we're going to hell forever. Is that the end of the story? Well, praise God, that's not the end of the story. And Paul continues in verse 11 to show us another way that we can have a hope of eternal life. Verse 11 says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. So in that first part, he's doubling down, right? Whenever he says it's evident that no one is justified before God by law, here's what he's saying. It's clear nobody's perfect, right? It's clear, it's evident that none of us are getting to heaven based on what we've done in this life. You may think that you are better than your neighbor. You may think that you're better than your spouse. You may think that you're better than your coworker. But brothers and sisters, none of us, none of us, are good enough to earn our way into heaven. He says that's evident. That shouldn't be a surprise to any of us. But if it is, I want you to hear that truth this morning. But then he quotes from the book of Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 4. And he gives us this beautiful truth of how we can be perfect and righteous in God's eyes. In God's eyes. And he says the righteous shall live by what? That one's not rhetorical. The righteous shall live by what? Faith. Faith, right? Faith. Now, really what Paul's doing here is he's summing up the gospel for us. Paul's summing up the gospel. The idea of being justified just means that you are declared righteous. You are innocent. You are seen by God as being perfect and acceptable. You can't get there by works, but he says there is a way that you can get there. And what is that way? It's through faith. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that he is God, you believe that he left heaven and came here, you believe that he lived a perfect life, you believe that he died an atoning death, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. You believe that he took the penalty that you deserve, and then he came back to life. And he's alive now and he'll be alive forever. When you believe these truths, when you pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ, when you call on him to be your Savior and Lord, that's the idea of having faith. When you do that, you are, as he says here, righteous. You are justified. You are acceptable to God. 
You are free from the guilt and the condemnation and the curse and the punishment that we were just talking about that you really deserve. So if you're, if you're trying to make it on your own, you have no hope. But if you're trusting in Jesus, you should have complete hope. Point two this morning is this. If you rely on faith, you are already perfect. Right? Those are meant to contrast. If you rely on the law, you better be perfect. But if you rely on faith, praise God, you're already perfect, brothers and sisters. You're already perfect. Not that you've never done anything wrong. Not that you have literally lived a perfect life without sinning. But because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God takes all of His perfection, all of His righteousness, and He credits it to our account. This is a beautiful truth. I want us to stop for just a moment and recognize how wonderful this is, right? I'm saying it, and those of you that have been in church for, for years, you recognize this is the gospel, and you say, yes, I know that, but let, let's not ever let our familiarity with the gospel cause us to become weary of the gospel, brothers and sisters. To not be excited about the truth that I, Zach Kilpatrick, who have sinned countless times in my life, right? I've had selfish thoughts. I've reacted in ways that I should not have. I've been unnecessarily frustrated with people in my life. I've neglected to do things that I should have done. I've wasted time doing things that I shouldn't have. And that was this weekend, right? But when you go and look, if you could go and look at God's record book, and you scroll down to Zach Kilpatrick, out next to it there would be not a single sin listed. As if I'd never done a single thing wrong. As if I'm perfect and righteous in every way. And that's in the official record book. How does that happen? Paul tells us through faith. In Jesus Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But it happens. It happens. It's real and it's true. And if you've never come to Jesus Christ in faith, brothers and sisters, you have a wonderful opportunity before you this morning. What a great start to a new year to become a new person made new by the perfect work of Jesus Christ. He continues... With a couple more quotes, look with me in verses 12 and 13. He says, But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now what's Paul talking about here when he brings up this curse again? Here he's once again quoting and he's talking about a curse. And this time when he's talking about a curse, he's, he's directly relating it to the death of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing for us here. right? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And then he's quoting again from the book of Deuteronomy. What is he talking about here? It's, it's really a declaration of the doctrine of propitiation or of atoning sacrifice. What does that mean? It means this. Did God just sweep my sins under the rug? 
Right? Because I told you that I have sinned, but in God's record book, it says that I haven't sinned. Well, there's a disconnect there. Did God just say, well, if you have faith in Jesus, I'll just overlook all the things that you've done wrong. Right? Is this kind of like a kickback kind of deal? Where I say, well, hey, if you'll, if you'll give this much tithe to Mount Zion, I'll give you this much by we'll hire your business next time we need work done here. Is that what's happening? That Jesus and I just kind of have this under-the-table deal going on? No. God's righteous. He'd never do anything that's sinful or imperfect. No, this is what happened when Jesus, who is God, left heaven and came here and lived that perfect life. He still died an atoning death. A terrible death. An excruciating death. Where God took all of the punishment that I deserve. Right? All that curse, all that condemnation that I've earned by sinning over and over and over. And He put it on Jesus Christ. While Jesus was on the cross, he literally, and I don't know in a spiritual sense what this looks like or how this works out, but brothers and sisters, the the death that I deserve to die, the punishment that I deserve that it would take me being in hell for all of eternity, being separated from God to pay, Christ took on himself while he was on the cross. The teaching of scriptures is that he became sin even though he had never sinned, in order that I could be made righteous. That's the truth that Paul is getting at here. He's declaring from a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. That he took my punishment so I could be made free. So Jesus became sin so I could become righteous. Jesus took punishment so I could go unpunished. Jesus died so I could live. But it's not just for me, it's for all who will respond in faith. To Jesus Christ. This is great news. He became the curse that I deserve to take. So that I could go uncursed. I haven't earned it. And I don't deserve it. But by God's grace I've received it. Point three. The last point this morning is this. Jesus' death offers us life. It's the only way that we can have Eternal life is because Jesus Christ died that atoning death. It's not that God's just going to overlook sin. He won't do that. It's not that God is just going to let some things go unpunished. He won't do that. If you're free from punishment, it's because somebody else took your punishment. And the only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. Which is why Paul tells us there's only one way that any of us are righteous. And that's by faith in Jesus Christ. So then Paul really, he does this great work that I often need him to do, and many of you probably do as well. He takes all these things and wraps it into a nice little package and ties a neat little bow on top of it in verse 14. Because I'm saying, all right, 10 through 13, I've got four quotes from four Old Testament books, and I've got the law, and I've got the curse, and I've got righteousness. Just kind of give me a, a good synopsis here. Of what you're trying to tell us. And he does. Look in verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Way, way back in the book of Genesis. There was a man... 
He was a pagan man. He was a lost man. And he was living in a lost land of pagan people. And God called this man. And, and God says, I want you to do some things that I'm going to tell you to do. And if you do them, I'm going to bless you immeasurably. And so God calls him and God guides him to where he needs to be. And God protects him at times that he needs protection, even against his own dumb self. And God makes him part of God's family. And he promises him the promised land and he shows him grace and he gives him peace and hope and love. And that man's name originally was Abram and it was eventually changed to Abraham, which is what we know him as now. So God takes Abraham and he gives him all these wonderful blessings that he didn't deserve. And then he goes further and in Genesis 22, God makes this promise to Abraham he says, through one of your offspring, somebody in your lineage, I'm going to make this blessing available to everybody on earth. Here's how it reads in Genesis 22:18, God speaking to Abraham. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And they say, well, how do we receive all those blessings? Right, Abraham, yeah, things were good for him. He saw the promised land. He gained a lot of stuff. Things were good for Abraham. How do I get that? Well, here's Paul's point, brothers and sisters. Paul's point here is all of that is available to us through Jesus Christ. He said, great, my sins will be taken away and I'll get to live forever and ever with God in heaven wherever I die. A wonderful, amazing blessing. But brothers and sisters, the, the blessing of being a child of God doesn't start when you die. Sometimes we think that. Like the, the blessing of being a Christian is that when I die, I'll go to heaven. But everything's pretty tough between now and then. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Things on this earth are tough because of the curse of sin. Man, when you're living with God, when you're a child of God, when you're a Christian, things are much better now, and they're going to be perfect then. So you want to talk about living in continual blessings like Abraham did. If you know Jesus, you know what that sounds like. You've seen that. You've experienced that. Being free from the guilt of the things that you've done in the past is not a small thing, brothers and sisters. And that's offered to us through Jesus Christ. Freedom from doing the sins that you have been doing over and over. It's 2024. It's the first week of the year. And some of you have a New Year's resolution that was your resolution last year and the year before and the year before. And it's to break some habit or it's to stop doing something. It's to get rid of some sin in your life that you know shouldn't be there because you've seen how it hurts your kids. And you've seen how it hurts your spouse and how it makes you a terrible co-worker. And you've seen it and you want to get rid of it and you keep trying and you can't. Well, brothers and sisters, the promise of Scripture is this, that through Jesus Christ, you will receive the Holy Spirit that he talks about here in verse 14. And you will then have the strength to finally break that sinful habit, to kick it out of your life and to kick it out for good. You don't have to wait until you die to receive blessings from being a child of God. You can find hope and acceptance and rest 
and true and lasting peace. You can find contentment. How much do we need that? You can know what it's like to be heard and seen and known. Because some of you feel like nobody listens to you and nobody pays any attention to you. But you can know what it's like to have a God who knows you and who listens to you and knows who you are and knows where you are. You can find meaning and purpose in life. Knowing that you're here for a reason and that what you do makes a difference. How? How can I know all these things? Through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the promise of the gospel. This is where we get to begin this year with a reminder of how good God has been to us. Are you too bad for it? No. Do you have to be a Jew to receive it? No. That's Paul's argument here. No matter what kind of family you come from, no matter how many sins you've committed in the past, no matter whether you can trace your lineage to Abraham on Ancestry.com or not, no matter what your heart language is, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, no matter your skin color, your nation of origin, no matter your denomination, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you can receive all these blessings. So we praise God for this wonderful, beautiful, hard to grasp, hard to understand why he would do this for us, but true truth. We praise God for it. So I want to ask you this morning, if you're here, and maybe in the past you've heard about being a child of God, but your thought has always been, I'm probably too dirty for that. I'm too sinful for that. There's no way that God would ever have me. Let me tell you this, brothers and sisters. If you feel too dirty or too bad or too far away from God to be loved and forgiven and accepted, you're not. You're not. No matter what you've done, no matter what you did this morning, no matter what you woke up this morning planning to do tonight, you come to faith in Jesus Christ and He will forgive you of those sins. You're not too bad for Him. But let me flip the coin to the other side and say this as well because this is one of the arguments here. If you're here and you feel like you are good enough, you have done enough good things to be acceptable to God on your own, you're not. You're not. You've not done, none of us have lived a perfect life. That's only Jesus that's done that. So if you're here and you feel like you're righteous, but it's a self-righteousness, like you've earned it, let this text remind you to lay that down. Because everybody who relies on works of the law for salvation will find themselves in hell forever. Brothers and sisters, you need Jesus but if you have Jesus, you have all that you need. So I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. And as we think about these wonderful truths, a text like this drives us to Jesus Christ. It drives us to Him to worship Him and to be thankful to Him and for Him. And so this morning we're going to have a response time. It's a little bit different than we would normally have, at least the song. We're going to sing again, as we sang earlier this morning, To God Be the Glory. Right? If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, to God be the glory. He's the reason that we're saved. If you're here today and you're free from things that used to bind you, to God be the glory. We praise Him for that. But if you're here this morning and you're not 
God's, and you're not forgiven, but you have questions about that. I would love for you to come during this song and let me answer those questions. Let me set up a time that we can meet if you have lots of questions. Maybe God has called you to respond to him and you want to make that public. Come here in just a moment and do that. Maybe you need to pray. Spend some time praying, but you do whatever the Lord's leading you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of response. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He has done, great things. He has taught us great things He has done And greater rejoicing through Jesus the Son But purer and higher and greater will be Our wonder, our victory when Jesus we see Praise the Lord, praise the Lord let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He has done. Maybe see. All right, we have a few announcements for you this morning. The first one is uh, we are taking a mission trip to Canada. That's going to be in March of this year. If you are interested in that, obviously that's coming up pretty quickly. We're going to have an interest meeting this morning. Uh, and just about five minutes after we conclude, we'll give you time to speak to folks. And then if you would, just come meet me down here, down front, about five minutes after the service ends. And we'll have a meeting. I have a handout and some things to give you. And uh, you can get more information about that. Also, um, we're going to have a marriage retreat here at Mount Zion. That's going to be next month. That's in February. So please put that on your calendar. If you have your phones, if you want to go ahead and put that in there, that's going to be Friday the 9th and Saturday the 10th. So it'll be that evening, a few hours that evening on Friday, and a few hours on Saturday morning. Uh, it'll be a wonderful time. This is not just for marriages that are in crisis. Uh, this is for everybody that is married, an opportunity to be reminded of the beauty and truth of marriage and to strengthen our marriages. So please make plans to come and join us for that on Friday the 9th and the 10th. Brother Seth has a couple more announcements. Soup luncheon, Thursday, January 24th at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. We will leave the church at 9.20 in the morning. There's a sign-up sheet in the back of the sanctuary. If you have any questions, please see Miss Rebecca. 
Better Together has been moved to Tuesday night at 6. Bring your favorite soup to share. But if you can't bring a soup, please come anyway. We're packing food pantry bags today at 3 o'clock. Um, we also have a shower going on this afternoon. So if you don't typically come help with food pantry bags, uh, come help, men folk, because you're probably not going to the shower. Uh, also, they'll be handing out, or the, the food pantry distribution will be Wednesday, this Wednesday, so please be at the gym by 7.45 if uh, you're available to help with that. Our children are starting a T-shirt fundraiser today to help pay for camp. Please find one of our kids attending if you would like to help them out and order a shirt. Um, if your child is attending camp and you haven't gotten your fundraiser packet yet, please see Miss Lauren. So 